Hello, welcome to episode 140 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name is Stephen Hill. I'm joined, as ever, by Renfrey Dedman. Hello, Renfrey. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you, Steve? You okay? I'm all right, thanks, mate. You had a big old sip of your mug. Tea, tea or coffee, is it? It's coffee. It's always coffee. Oh, Always tea for me. Not always, but today it's always tea. Shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> on this show, we're going to be reviewing new music this week from... Greta Van Fleet, While She Sleeps, Cannibal Corpse, and The Armed. We will also be saying a big thank you to Signature Brew, as we always do. I got an email today, Renfrey. Signature Brew says your order's been confirmed. I, I didn't make an order. Hello. I didn't make an order. This is what happens when you have friends in beery places. Yes, you can go out and sit in the cold in a way you can queue weather spoons at 6am to have a shitty warm pint of carling black label with your sad toothless mates puffing on a dog end a licorice tipped dog what a little roll up well you can you could do that now you so you're legally allowed to do that now in the snow mm. if you wrap up warm but why would you do that when you can go to signaturebrew.co.uk and order some actual nice beers order a polyphonic peach mm, a lovely mm. peachy iced tea you can order a bell's end darkness christmas festive Nutty, hoppy, bitter. Why in, wouldn't you in, do that? Why wouldn't April. you do that? Yeah, you could. Yeah. In April, but yeah. I mean, you know, I think fucking, you know, baby Jesus isn't going to come around and get you in a headlock just because <laughs> he drank a, drank a beer that was, I don't think, slightly more festive. I don't think headlocks were Jesus's methods, were they? I'm not sure. Well, Maybe. Mate, when, uh, when he smashed up the thing, when the guys did the, I don't know much about the Bible, by the way, everyone. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> when he hell. did, when they were selling the stuff in the place and he got mad, he chucked the, turned the table over, didn't he? Are you Remember getting, that? are you getting John Wick confused with the Passion of the Christ? Sounds like you're getting confused. I don't think I am. No, that happened. Okay. That happened. Right. Jesus was like, you shouldn't be doing that in the church, selling things. So he trashed the place. Don't you remember that? Yeah, vaguely. We don't remember it. Oh, we don't remember it. You remember being <laughs> oh, told yeah. about it? Uh, yeah, um, sure. I think we should move okay. on from the religious stuff. Yes, Signature uh, <laughs> Brew are a great company. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for sending us some more beer. Really, really appreciate it. They're sending uh, us uh, some of the G-Sharp, the grapefruit sour, which I'm quite oh. intrigued to taste. And uh, some of the he pink vinyl. He loves a fruity beer. I do love he, a fruity beer. He loves a fruity beer. It's because I'm a rather if, fruity person. Well, that's your opinion. Um <laughs> Please use the code RIOTACT in the checkout at signaturebrew.co.uk. That's um, a decade of brewing some fabulous and fine music industry related produce with the likes of Slaves, Idols, Sports Team, Mogwai, Frank Turner, Ennis Shikari, Mastodon, loads. Loads. loads of people good for loads. them good for them so go over and get your order in for those people now and i you know you can drink it indoors as well which I, for me is a bit of a bonus i would mm. say um we also should say go over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast sign up for our five pound a month tier you will be getting a brand new classic album this week that's two weeks running because we fucked up with the broken records thing before so gajira uh, Le Fon Sauvage and Magma is up now if you want to sign up for that. And on Monday, you'll be getting a brand new classic album podcast, which I very much doubt any of you ever would have predicted on Whatever and Ever Amen by the Ben Folds Five, mm. which I imagine a lot of people are like, really? You're really going to do 
Ben Folds 5 as a classic mm. album. You're fucking damn right I am. You're <laughs> damn right I'm doing Ben Folds 5. And you're going to find out why Ben Folds is chef's kiss uh, on Monday. Trust me. Trust uh, me. It's it's absolutely justified as well, as far as I'm yes. concerned. Um, I've really been enjoying re-listening to this record the last few days. So, yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's coming. Also, uh, anyone who signs up for any amount of money can suggest something for our writers review. We just put one up, I believe, on Spiderland by Slint. Yeah. Which I think people thought might be a classic album. Mm-hmm. Um, could have been. I think it is in the hands of other people. It definitely mm-hmm. is. Maybe not in the hands of Renfrey and I. But anyway, there you go. Spiderland by Slint is coming up next. And then we're going to be doing Tears for Fears mm-hmm. on Tears Review next week as well, which I'm very, very excited about. So go over and do that. As I said, uh, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast. Cheers, cheers. That's a sellout the way. Sorry to do that. Oh, and also thanks for getting Broken Records to number two oh, in the, yeah. I- the iTunes music chart. We've had a lot of great, reception to the full-blown 30 with 31 episodes in to brand new broken records now i know yeah 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 which is Uh, is great we will be on monday on monday yeah so lincoln parks one more light Mm, uh is come out the hat um yeah thank you so much for the response and the chart placing was lovely and uh the the reviews we've had coming in have been really really sweet they're all five star which is like what we like uh please please keep Please continue. <laughs> Please continue to support, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's been awesome. Yes. Please do continue to support. Um, we should go before we go any further. We should um just talk for a minute about the very sad passing of DMX on the 9th of April, twenty twenty one. That's this year, obviously, at the age of fifty. Um, you know, uh, DMX had a um. A heart attack uh a couple of weeks ago it was a you know a good kind of i think it was five days about earlier. a week but yeah about five mm. days before yeah sorry it wasn't mm. a couple of weeks it was about a week before and he was in a in a kind of um you know a a kind of non-responsive state for for a few days mm. and then passed away on friday last friday mm. the 9th of april um at the age of 50 and you know we definitely should pay tribute to dmx as somebody who was uh, a hip hop artist from the period when rock music and alternative culture and rap really began to meld with each other, probably more so than it ever has in history before. And DMX was somebody who, you know, worked with, played Woodstock '99, worked with Marilyn Manson, worked with Korn. Um, you know, he he obviously had a huge love for guitar music and rap music, and he was one of the rawest and most aggressive voices of uh of that particular generation i have to say personally i can't sit here and say that i was ever a massive fan of dmx flesh of my flesh blood of my blood i think is the only album of his i heard and i mean i've heard intermittent songs over the over the years i mean even but even that i mean i think i I listened to that record because, I mean, the front cover is him completely drenched in blood. It looks like a death metal album cover. Um, And it was, you know, it was clearly something which was going to appeal to the the kind of the the metalhead in me. Um, You know, again, a troubled individual, DMX. Yeah, there's no getting away from the fact that DMX was 
you know clearly a troubled individual but um he's a very very important character around that time and um i and a and a real and a, a kind of real genuine uh i iconic voice a, a, a really recognizable voice that, and, and style that dmx had and the way that he kind of portrayed himself like brutal as fuck mm. and maybe there are people who might be like i'm not really sure that i want to i mean all the stuff you say about hip-hop renfrey that always put you mm. off hip-hop mm. mm. you know dmx is like you know right at the very top of those right. people for the kind of shit that, that he has said i'm not going to go into here but you know the whole freddy krueger thing mm. um but yeah, like, you know, obviously I, I think when you're young, that shit seems really, really exciting. And, and DMX did feel like a, a genuinely dangerous artist to me. Would you say it's the aggression of his delivery that um, uh, resonated with lots of metal fans? Yeah, I, I think the content as well. Okay. I mean, I've just sort of alluded to, I'm not going to go into it too much, but I have alluded to that... Um, that kind of Freddy Krueger, you know, like painting himself as Freddy Krueger uh, in, in you know, that kind of, that's a song that people have been bringing up quite a lot recently. Like, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? And, I, and, it, and like, gonna to be fair, I'm going to confess, is a bit much. this is all going, like, this is all going okay. over my head. I don't know any of this. I will look it up afterwards, but yeah. I yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you what it no, is no, no, because it's pretty fucking horrible. But yeah. at the same yeah. time, it's like, you know, I, I um, yeah, DMX said some, <laughs> some pretty fucking, some really raw shit. But when you're 18, you hear that in the same way as you do when you hear Five Nails Through the Neck by Cannibal Corpse, who we're going to be hearing later mm, on. Mm. You do go, oh, bro, that's fucking sick or whatever. And, you know, like, he always felt like somebody who was an obvious bridge between gangster rap and the more extreme ends of metal. I mean, that that album I mentioned, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, that, that does feature a song with Marilyn Manson on so at the time. It was like, wow, mm. you know, he's got this kind of, th those two together is a really amazing pairing. And I was watching a little bit of that very, very iconic set that he did at Woodstock 99. It just causes fucking chaos and that, like, you know, there's shit that I've read about him that I do go, oh, I mean, <laughs> for me, the there's, the animal cruelty stuff i was like oh mm, but mm. you know i i i don't like that mm. i'm not gonna lie i i don't like that but yeah he got you know, a charge for animal cruelty didn't he he yeah, got a few other charges um, as well but yeah, yeah that's that's uh that's a personal um bugbear of mine maybe you might go oh you like animals more than you like humans do you but i yeah basically of his, um, of his charges it's the one that irks that like and pisses me off the most you know but mm. but by, by by far you know but yeah. yeah but you know um that's not to downplay i mean you know we we, we said it with with phil specter there's you know i think obviously phil specter was a did far more for the kind of the overall feeling of what music is today mm. uh <clears throat> but i think dmx played a, a huge part as an artist to to kind of making the late 90s feel like a, a kind of really dangerous and exciting place and he you know he was a he was a, obviously a very important character for, for that period hmm. so there you go r.i.p to dmx um i obviously as well I say obviously didn't obviously have to do this but i think something i did want to bring up renfrey is um emperor uh 
Norwegian Black Metal Legends Emperor have announced a special live stream to mark their 30th anniversary. Well done to them. It's going to be called A Night of Imperial Wrath 2021. Um, and uh, it's kind of going to be, I think they're going to be playing uh, in the Nightside Eclipse in full. Mm-hmm. Cool. That makes sense. Yep. But um, it's going to feature guest appearances from former members Mortis, you know, big, no, mm-hmm. the Goblin Mortis. Yep. Fine. And Faust as ah. well. Ah. Mm. Hmm. Right. Okay. Now, um, Emperor have done stuff with Faust before. For those of you who don't know who Faust is, um, he was Emperor's drummer when... Um, <sighs> I mean, this is pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, he basically went to prison... Um, for stabbing someone to death 37 times he stabbed them um in a a kind of it was a homophobic a homophobically motivated attack Mm. um now obviously he's gone to jail and he's come out and you could go He's done his time. He's done his time. He's been rehabilitated. He's not done anything else since then. Um, but I mean, how do you feel about how how do you feel about this? Because there doesn't appear to be any kind of public remorse shown from this gentleman at all. And mm. I think that's where the kernel of the problem of this is do you know what i mean Mm. there's i mean there's certain things that are very difficult to be able to apologize for oh sorry i stabbed someone to death 37 times and (laughs) killed them because they're gay that's quite a hard thing to be able to just go sorry for yeah I, i i and and to be fair if he did apologize for it i'm sure people would jump on the bandwagon and 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 he'd just get more shit for it whether it was um whether it was a sincere apology or not i, I don't yeah, well, really gonna... think that's the point either way mm. it's su- I... it's such a heinous crime it's such a I, I you know i i consider myself a relatively liberal guy and i like to think in in theory that um you know re- reformation and like people can be um uh forgiven and they can reintegrate themselves into society society i like to believe that's the case most of the time um when it comes to something that is as um just as nasty and vile a crime as that um it's very there are it's very very difficult to uh it's very difficult to see that journey happening I, I I don't want to sit here and go, oh, that would never ever happen because I don't know. I, I I'm not an expert in this stuff, but and mm. and I don't know the incident. I I've heard nothing from, because I've not paid any attention, but I've not heard nothing from Faust between now and now and uh, between then and now. You know, so I, I have no idea on his feelings now on those sorts of things or anything like that. But it's I mean, it, he is a murderer, you know, uh, and and he's a murderer through a hate crime it, it's it's that's something that i find enormously difficult to forgive uh mm. uh which i don't think is very progressive 
but I also, but you know, that is the facts. I just find that very, very difficult to forgive, to really say the difficult. least. And you know, and I mean, you say he said I never had. In, there was an interview in 2012 where he said I never had any racist or homophobic views. Gal, uh, obviously, who is openly gay, um, and from that scene said that he was one of the first people to send him a message of support when he came out. Mm. I mean, that feels like, you know, um, it's been called a kind of, I mean, I think uh, John uh, Tunsberg of Hades Almighty said that he believed it was uh, an impulse killing and it had nothing to do with black metal. Um, There's all these things. If it was me, right, you talk about the the idea of, I mean, God, if it was me, um, I've already kind of set myself up for a fool. (laughs) But... um, if I was in, if I had been in that situation, and I and I was coming back, so for me, right, you say, oh, you know, an apology means nothing. There's two ways of looking at that. The first is it's none of your business. Like I have been rehabilitated, and I feel fine in myself, and I don't have to justify my own rehabilitation to strangers. There's there's that. There's that's that's one right now. If he wants to go about his life and just sort of get his head down and go i've been rehabilitated there are people who hate me i'm going to ignore them and that's it that's one thing um i don't think that's necessarily a great thing to do but but anyway that is a a road you could go down the other road would be to say i mean particularly in this case to say i would you know there are going to be people who don't want me to be here and i completely understand that I've had to live with this for my entire life. I've been to prison. I've come out years and years and years later. It's it, it's horrible and it crippled and it, w- it will live with me forever. It eats away at me all the time. I promise you any views I had in the past, I've seen the error of my ways. I'm sorry. I'm going to ded- I'm gonna give my chunk, my fee for this performance or whatever. I'm going to make a point of giving it to some kind of, LGBTQ LGBTQ charity I think were you to do that I think he'd probably still get shit for it but I think if you came out and said I know there will be people who can't forgive me and I and and I'm telling you that that's all right you don't have to forgive me Mm -hmm. like I am I I I should probably have to carry this around with me forever because you should Mm -hmm. you should Mm -hmm. like if if you did that you should probably feel bad about that forever but if, if but if someone... even if you were rehabilitated i mean you know if you were rehabilitated you probably would feel terrible forever mm. but if someone showed in their actions the uh their rehabilitation um it would make it easier for me personally to forgive them i'm not going to you know say whether other people should find it easier or not but i would i would find that easier because yeah. it is the actions of of people that dictate their character i think and i think there's 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 forgiveness and there's acceptance i think those are two different types of things i think you can go okay like i forgive you is everything is fine whereas i accept that is i accept that you have done this thing you hate it and you are now rehabilitated i don't think i'm ever going to be like bezzy mates Mm. or cool with you Mm. but at the same time you know you find some kind of way to allow that to to tra- that that transgression to become something which you then move try and move, move forward on from. from yeah and that's a very very difficult thing to do um mm. i just thought that was a sort of we've not spoke about i mean we've spoken about 
people getting you know kind of flippant more flippant things and people getting cancelled and whatever and uh i just thought it was sort of worth bringing it up i also think you know because this is you and i speaking about it renfrey and we don't really have much of a dog in the fight of black metal i don't think either of us are particularly massive black metal fans and also you know we don't really have uh any kind of proper perspective on what that might feel like to somebody from within that scene who is actually gay i actually contacted our good friend tom dare from the hellbent for metal podcast now tom said to me that hellbent for metal are going to be covering this story far deeper than how we've just covered it so if you want to get i would say a probably a a, a much more um articulated and well-rounded and thoughtful and um uh considered and and just broader like more intelligent response due to the fact of tom's perspective both as you know with his sexuality and as a music fan in general with the sort of stuff he likes i would suggest that you go and listen to the hellbent for metal podcast which will come out and um uh, and see what tom has to say about it monday isn't it yeah so yeah that's that's out every monday so go and find that and listen to that but tom um i asked tom what he thought about it and he said this i think we should give him the last word really he said yeah. two prominent black metalers being convicted of murdering gay men then being welcomed back with seemingly all uh, welcome back with seemingly all forgiven once they'd served their fairly short prison sentences is a major factor in why I do not think that blackmail is a welcome place to be queer. That sends a message that gay lives don't matter here. If Faust had shown public remorse, it might be different, but he hasn't. Asking us to be okay with a guy who stabs someone like me 37 times is bullshit. And I think when Tom puts it like that, mm. and when you think of probably the mental... Um, things that tom has had to you know we've spoken about it we spoke about it when he came on the show the kind of uh, i mean i don't i don't want to kind of oversell it to the point of again like the anguish or whatever but obviously tom has probably had to fight some fairly you know the, the some of the thought processes and the fears that he's had and for them to be kind of hammered in with shit like that i think is really horrible and if someone mm. was to be like yeah fuck that guy and you know you shouldn't be supporting it or whatever it's quite hard to argue against that really isn't it uh, yeah absolutely mm. yeah a shame a shame ishan a shame um anyway i don't want to wag my finger at anyone too much longer so let's get on with some reviews and let's start with what is actually the comfortably the smallest band that we are going to be covering this week we got three pretty sizable bands this week and we got one weird little oddity. Uh, and usually that would go at the bottom of the pile because, you know, it's the weird little oddity. We just stick on at the end. Most people, most of you are like chomping at the bit to hear what we have to say about Greta Van Fleet, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but we're not starting there. We're starting with The Armed, Ultra Pop, the third full length album from the mysterious, bizarro underground hardcore collective. The follow-up to 2018's Only Love album. Uh, the Armed are a band that we have spoken about kind of intermittently over time during this podcast. Renfrey, I know you are an absolutely massive fan of this band, right? I, I, I think they are absolutely fantastic. And I had Only Love uh, at the number 20 spot in my albums of the year in 2018, if you recall. Um, I was very specific about, I, I thought very long and hard about where I wanted to put Only Love. I knew I wanted to 
recognize it in my albums of the year but I, I thought long and hard about where I wanted to put it and um I wanted to acknowledge that it's an excellent album but what really excited me about that record was the potential mm. and so I thought putting it at number 20 was basically like a sign of like you know this is good but this is not the end product and I know that it will be better uh later on i think the leap from their first full-length record untitled to only love was pretty substantial and mm -hmm. there was plenty on the record to indicate that the armed were a band who would never be content to just sit still um uh without spoiling it too much i think ultra pop proves my suspicions to be correct in almost every conceivable way um this feels like a massive uh, I wouldn't even say a departure, but it, it, it is the arms taking what they do and moving it forward in quite a colossal way. Uh, a band who already sounded pretty individual, as it was. I think Only Love was a pretty individual, singular record um, uh, in and amongst their peers. And they've just pushed all that stuff even further to the point where, I mean, Ultra Pop the title feels like a statement you know it, mm. it feels like it feels like they're kind of going this is the genre we play we play ultra pop music you know forget hyper pop like hyper pop can be easily reproduced to the point where whilst you know currently in 2021 it still sounds quite what the fuck to our ears at present i guarantee that in five years time it'll be yet another formula that you're bored of you know um it's easy to copy and paste what you do almost when you do something almost exclusively on a computer but it's most certainly not easy to recreate whatever the fuck the armed are doing on ultra pop and if we are going to call it ultra pop that's fine with me <laughs> because i think that's quite apt yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Is you go what the armed are doing on this record. It's hard to even know what the armed are doing on this record. Genuinely. Like, yeah. I've listened to this a bunch of times, and sometimes I feel like it's actually a beautifully melodic, lovely, easy listen. And then sometimes it just sounds like chaos. hell on earth. Yeah, absolute chaos. And I didn't really expect them to, because they've always sort of just sounded like chaos to me i've always associated them with maddening chaotic lunacy yeah. for the most part yeah um but when this album opens with this kind of lush electro dreamscape of a song and then is replaced with some kind of driving death from above 1979 style riff disco rock banger it's not the levels of extremity that you would expect from this band at all but at the same time both of them are weird enough and esoteric enough to be just just kind of odd sounding mm. it's something that is just a just a bit off not a bit off like oh it's not right but there is something where you go i'm not quite sure where this is going where this is coming from i'm not quite sure like you say where this sits and at that point you're like well so far so different and mm. good as well mm. like these these mm. are good songs these are not what i it took me back a bit because i expected it just to go at me mm. straight away and it didn't mm. no definitely not. um i mean it does go there's a song masunga vapors which goes locust dillinger escape plan mm. mad mm -hmm. after that but there's also this weird sense of melody to it um 
and that's a hard hard seesaw but it's a seesaw that they kind of managed to create quite a lot i think um something a theme of this record i wouldn't say it's a formula because there doesn't sound like anything formulaic on this record at all really but a theme of this record is kind of burying a melody burying a melody or a hook which is really you know really catchy um but then i'm burying it is probably not the right word actually but but taking that melody as a foundation and then throwing so many kitchen sinks in all at the same time uh in order to create chaos around that melody um and it it makes for something pretty unique and different i mean i don't feel sometimes when i say unique and different and singular and idiosyncratic in a review i get a little twang and you know because then i can hear someone on the internet going oh no it sounds like this record here i don't feel any of that at all like i i, I can't really think of i don't think there are any other records that sound like this at all like it, it really is something genuinely unique and individual and like a life so wonderful takes a really day glowy sunshiny kind of baseball melody you know when they do yeah. that da -da 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 kind of thing and um, then it just blasts the shit out of you yeah all the way through as well. yeah 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 and and it like it filters it through like this converge filter and on paper it sounds like a mess and in reality it kind of does too but it's a glorious mess that you can lose mm. yourself in you know I think there's there's bits. I mean, you mentioned Converge. There's a few tracks here and there where it's a sort of meld of Converge with LCD Sound System with Queens of Stone Age. And you just think, well, I've heard all of these things before, but I've never really heard them like this before. Mm. And that's cool. Like an iteration. Um, the start of it sounds like definitely maybe being sexually assaulted. <laughs> You know, like that wall of guitar, guitars, and then you just just that 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 album has, and that like meow, nah, 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 at the start of rock and roll star, it's like that being buggered, and it ends <laughs> like an electro rock, my bloody Valentine. It's fucking awesome, and it's got like Kerry King doing a solo on a kid's Yamaha keyboard halfway through as well. <laughs> You're like, I mean, we could go on, but ultimately, whatever we say, I think won't be as exciting as what this record is, and it's a weird one for me, isn't it? Because I mean, it sounds like nothing, but it also sounds like everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's got the grandiose feel of like mad 70s pop, like something like Sparks. It's got the wild, untamed, heavy musical fuckery of the chariot. It's got the almost kind of hard rock fuzz thrill of something like Fu Manchu. It's got the sort of indie slacker feel of Weezer or Nada Surf or you know one of those bands yeah it does. and it's got this kind of experimental electro head fuckery of or tecra mm. particularly and, on a song like um oh they just released it uh, bad selection for example that's quite mm. a good or tecra yeah it is mm. and it's not like a melt you know it's not like a kind of bolt on like it's not like rap metal or funk rock where those two styles are kind of bolted onto each other it's like putting all those bands in an airtight plastic bag and watching them fight to escape. That's what this record sounds like <laughs> to me. It's fucking mad. I mean, my favourite song on it is Where Man Knows Want, which has got a disco beat, a blast beat, a hip-shaking beat, 
and 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 beats you around the face with a Wellington boot. It's got like the lot. <laughs> it's so mad. And and then when you think you've heard it all, Mark Lanigan turns up on the last song. Mm, yeah. Well. Yeah. Su- supposedly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. There. There. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, I was going to say at the beginning, although you know, I, I I think we've avoided it anyway. But um, there's so much kind of noise around this band. Uh, in terms of all the kind of like the fake uh, you know, stuff, the, the fake stuff uh, that around it. And um, I really wanted to have, to not talk about any of that stuff at all, because I do think that that stuff can be a bit of a distraction from the music itself. Um, yeah. And it doesn't I, 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 I think all that stuff's kind of cool and kind of funny and amusing and stuff. And I'm certainly not saying that they shouldn't be doing it or anything like that. But I think it uh they are in slight danger of that stuff becoming the story rather mm. than this album is fucking amazing you know mm. like r- rather than uh, i and and i i really hope that doesn't happen um yeah. but because this is one of the most progressive interesting assaults in kind of heavy music uh it's one of the most interesting records we'll cover all year i would have thought i mean Mm. it's it's and and i think that thing that you just said about what i think is really key about what you just said there's there's loads of different things going on on this but none of it feels bolted on Mm. it all feels um it all feels like one big thick soup rather than you know this part of the meal and this part of the meal and then we have an entree and then we have a dessert blah blah blah. and that is kind of that is what we talk about when we're talking about like song craft and things like that that's what we're talking about things being like objectively well done certainly when it comes to mixing different genres and mixing different things together you want it to feel like one entity rather than lots of little individual bits all kind of glued together and the armed, like whether they're doing those electro pop things or whether they're going furious or whether they're going into more of a kind of Queens of the Stone Age S groove, the through line that they have is they sound like the armed, like chaotic yeah. and wild. And, you know, I mean, this is a band who have a sense of identity who don't even have a clear vocalist. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we often, like, when we, we spoke about Pupil Slicer, and we're like, oh my God, they're a three-piece. It's incredible. Hey, who would have thought it? And yet, The Armed, I mean, you can't really do that because you don't know how many people are in the band. So to me, I, I just imagine there being like 40 people, just and all uh, all of them, like somebody playing the triangle, somebody playing the fucking, what's that thing that you go, oh, um, Theremin. Anyway, you know, theremin. theremin, yeah. Like somebody playing the theremin, somebody playing the bassoon, someone playing the bongos, <laughs> eight guitarists, four fucking bass players, and they're playing like nine string basses and stuff like that. Drum kit the size of Neil Pert. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen them with eight musicians on stage. Two of them were vocals. It feels like you need it. Yeah. It feels like yeah. you need it. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. you go, oh my, I can't understand how they could, like, you know, again, Imperial Triumphant. I don't know how they did that as a three-piece. I think they have the brass section coming as well. But so you're even then, like even to six, you're like, how the fuck are they doing that? But with the arm, I would be like, 
Yeah, you need like 30 people on stage, don't you? Surely. Yeah. You need everybody in the world on stage because you're playing nine different songs from nine different styles all at the same time and you're not scrimping on any of it. Yeah. And you're kind of interweaving it. I mean, it's, it's fucking great. I think this is an album. I'm going to say this, right? There are people last year who didn't like me going on about Code Orange all that much. There are people who said, ah, oh, they're not that good and blah, blah, blah. Because they had sort of ambition and choruses and people were like, no, no, it's too much like new metal or whatever, right? Okay, fine. You guys who were like that, you, this is the album you need to listen to then. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly the, the Armed have a lot more kind of cool cred and, and hipster cred. Interestingly, there's kind of... Um, there is a parallel with uh, both of those bands getting a time uh, an advert in Times Square. Um, mm. uh, I mean, the way that that came, that came about with the Armed is really cool. This is one of the sort of side uh, sidestep things, but um, I, I think the fans of the Armed like cobbled together to get that advert on Times Square, which is awesome, and that shows the passion of that community, which is fucking wicked. I mean, fair play. That is really really cool, um, and certainly. I mean, this is out on Sergeant House. Sergeant House don't have yeah. the money to splash on a Times Square advert. You know what I mean? So, like, that stuff is cool. But I think the passion that is being evoked by this band um, is absolutely down to the music and not, it isn't down to the uh, the story outside of the music, the very convoluted and very red herring filled story outside of the music and i think that's an important thing to not forget um and i don't know i i i'm seeing so much stuff about this record i mean this record will be covered a lot i think i think this will be a breakthrough of sorts yeah. for the aunt i can see them playing bigger venues you know i mean mm -hmm. i remember seeing them at boston music rooms and i would imagine they would be playing the dome on this record at least um, I would have thought Underworld, The Dome, yeah, something like that. I mean, The Underworld would be fucking wicked. Um, but yeah, it's, it will be a step up for them most definitely um, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like it's pandering to any sort of commercial stuff at all. This is really still very chaotic and still very uh, difficult to assimilate music. The first three listens to this album, I was just completely bemused i mean and and i mean thankfully we got it quite early, like quite early but i would have been in no state to review this record after three listens apps no. like none at all you know um yeah. i i got it for hammer fucking ages ago so i've had it for a little while now yeah um yeah so only i think you do need it you need it a while um but once it hits and 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 you know 38 minutes long there is so much going on. It's it's crazy the journey you go on from the beginning of the album to the end of the album and everything that happens uh, in between is an absolutely kaleidoscopic journey. And most of it will feel like stuff that you've not heard before. It's true. It is definitely, I would say, one of the most significantly interesting heavy albums that we will cover on this show and i don't mean just this year i mean in general i genuinely think you have to go and listen to this record mm. if you like anything heavy at all if you like anything to do with punk or hardcore or just weird noise rock lightning bolt to fucking dillinger escape plan with all the 
stuff that we've mentioned in between then i i think you at least need to hear this record and try and make sense of it yeah absolutely uh there you go so that's our our lead review and definitely album of the week i've got to be honest uh the arm ultra pop is out now let's move on to something equally as forward thinking and ambitious greta van fleet (laughs) (laughs) ha ha it was a joke not really um the battle at gardens gate is the second studio album from the u.s retro rockers the follow-up to 2018's debut album anthem of the peaceful army which is an album that we reviewed Renfrey, mm. didn't we? Yeah. Um, and we had the nerve to compare them to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, like every single solitary person who has ever heard this band, we said Led Zeppelin. I'm sorry to be too predictable. But then it is hard not to be that predictable with Greta Van Fleet when they themselves are so painfully predictable themselves. And I still, I mean, I've not gone back to that record um but you know i i i remember just being like completely nonplussed by it um i'll I'll say this i i I liked it more than you do and i i have gone back to the record a couple of times in the in the last three years i would say i've been back to it two or three times um and when i went back to it like my feelings on it are basically when it's good i think it is actually really good but i think it's very hit and miss you you just it just didn't really register with you at all did it i don't think well i i i find it very difficult and i think i've never hidden the fact that i find it very difficult to get on board with this sort of thing right and i went into this and i was like well you know let's see because they're incredibly successful greta van fleet mm-hmm. they've become like the definitely like if you thought bloody rival sons were successful i mean greta van fleet are they're the band, aren't they? And this kind of retro rock thing, they're the, they are the, not, not standout, but commercially speaking, they are comfortably streets ahead of any of their peers. You know, the Temperance Movement or the fucking uh, Wayward Sons. I think I've just made that band name up, but there probably is a band. Uh, no, no, no. The Wayward there. Sons uh, is mm-hmm. a band. Um, they are in a position where they are unstoppable. Um, every sing- like Saturday Night Live and stuff, didn't they? I mean, yeah, I think they've done. Yeah, every single review for this album could rubbish it, and every and it, and it could, you know, it could get a, you know, it won't, but it could get it could get a broken record type reputation, and have you know a score of twenty nine on Metacritic, mm-hmm. and it would still sell really well. I, I, and and for a band to get to that stage on their second album is incredibly whether we like it or not is incredibly impressive um mm. that they, they are a band who you know the critics can't touch at this stage and you know we've not even seen i mean last time they were over they did three nights in a row i think three nights forum? in a row at the forum yeah, and I went to one of those shows, and I was um, hit and miss on it. I thought when they were good, when they concentrated on just playing the songs and bashing them out, I thought they were great, and they are extraordinarily talented. I mean, you know, um, Josh Kieser, it, it sounds exactly like Robert Plant, and that is primarily where the Led Zeppelin comparisons come from. But you know if that continues to be the biggest criticism most people have of this band, and I think it is, 
as criticisms go, sounding like Robert Plant is not something that I would lose sleep over personally, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, there is that in their favour. Um, I mean, read the Led Zeppelin thing. Early, <laughs> I found this quite amusing. So early 2019 commentary from the band on the album noted that it would be, th uh, it would thematically have a more worldly feel than their prior work, inspired by the band seeing the world through touring. Additionally, they aim to create an evolution to their sound after their prior album received a lot of commentary, both positive and negative, of being very similar to the work of Led Zeppelin. Uh, they then gave this album the most Led Zeppelin sounding name ever, The Battle at Garden's Gate. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a lost Led Zeppelin B-side. <laughs> I mean, it does. Yeah. Like, it really you does. Know, so... There's this kind of, uh, there is this idea that in one sense, you get the feeling that they get really annoyed with these Led Zeppelin references, constant Led Zeppelin references to, to their music. But at the same time, they do seem to kind of welcome it as well. You know, it would, it would be like you forming a white three piece rap band that kept getting compared to the beastie boys and going we don't want to be compared to the beasties any anymore so here's our new album to the ill boroughs you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really stupid um, it, it is a, it's an odd move and i remember when i saw the title for the record i i like i rolled my eyes because i was like well that's not going to help with the led zeppelin comparisons is it you know mm. it's crazy crazy but there you go hey so this record starts right and to be fair to them it starts with a deep purple style organ which is vaguely not led zeppelin so well done for that uh, lad straight away my first reference point to it wasn't led zeppelin so i was like huh and then it kind of builds up like it's going to blow into this massive rock rager and then it goes into this bloody wet acoustic guitar plodder that I think has got more in common. I mean, I'm not going to use Led Zeppelin anymore. I think it's got more in common with Keen than it has Black Sabbath. Ooh. So, and I immediately thought to myself, I think I've got a horrible feeling that I'm going to hate this record. And unfortunately, I do. I really hate it. I oh, right. really hate it. Uh, after three tracks in, it had just plodded along with nothing that grabbed me or that felt vital at all. And I think having just spoken about the armed and having just thought about rock music and how vital sounding and fast and vibrant rock music can be, this just sounds like a relic to me, like a, mm -hmm. a real relic and not in a good, like clutch and the white stripes mm. ape back to, a bygone era of music a very old bygone era of music and just pump it full of as much exuberance and energy as they possibly can but it's by it took till track four built by nations to come in that i really felt that i was listening to anything approaching hard rock with the emphasis on hard but even that was quite mid-paced and plodding and this album is so mid-paced so plodding lads you are in your early 20s. <laughs> Go fast. Use some speed. Use some pep. These, they were, they're like these old soul. You know, you meet these people, these cunts who are like, oh, I'm an old soul. I'm an old soul. You know, you go, oh, I wish I was born in the 1930s. I'm an old soul. Oh, are you going, oh, have you seen Black Panther? No, no, I don't do. I, 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 I knit crochet blankets for my aunt and listen to 1920s ukulele surf music on my gramophone. Oh, I'm an old soul. I am. 
Do some fucking coke. <laughs> take your top off. Don't do coke. Get in a fight. Turn your guitar to and just Don't fucking do, 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 do that. <laughs> You fucking old... You're gonna, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to get to 30 and you're going to go, I fucking wasted my life painting wooden horses because <laughs> I'm an old soul carving fucking, uh, you know, benches out of bits of tree and growing, waxing my moustache because oh, I'm an old soul <laughs> buying old, old copper kettles from fucking farmer's markets and second-hand car boot sales when you could have been I would rather they made a fucking emo rap project and just sniff some fucking glue like honestly this is boring this is boring 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 music and it's not even just that it's boring and it sounds it's just I don't know the idea it's just I I can't rim free I can't by the time it gets to the acoustic opening of Tears in the Rain and that yeah. fucking piano comes in. This mm. fucking Hotel California bullshit. Mm. Mm. I was like, please, God, make this album stop. I don't want to be negative and horrible about it. We've done this so much. This is not broken records. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> but fuck me. I don't think I've been really shitty about an album all year <laughs> so far, right? But I, I hate this record. Okay. I hate it. Okay, you're not a fan. Um, <laughs> uh, I certainly agree that there is a pacing issue with the album, although um, with a weird caveat, which I'll get into in a second, I agree that pretty much the entire record works on one mid-pace kind of thing. And it's interesting you mentioned Hotel California there because... This, there is quite a lot of eagles on this. It is quite a lot of fairly ploddy, soft rock. Um, but there are moments where they kind of bring me out of that. Um, there is a very awesome, epic guitar solo on third track, Broken Bells, which admittedly sounds a lot like Jimmy Page. <laughs> it does, but it is very good. And there are bits where they do something, usually in like a middle A or like a, a bridge section or somewhere like that, where I go, oh yeah, that is really nice actually. That's that's nice how they've done that. Um, but I will admit, like the actual pacing of all the songs and the pacing of the record is very one track, which should be a massive problem. Um, and I think it is a problem, but it's not as much as a problem as, as I expected it to be. I'll be honest, I was kind of surprised to learn how long this album is the first time i listened to it i just loaded up the stream and let it play and didn't pay any attention didn't pay any attention to the album notes i don't think we got sent any anyway didn't pay any attention to that stuff i just let it play in the background like whilst i was doing some other stuff and it seemed to it seemed to go relatively quickly you know the, the the time seemed to go relatively quickly it didn't feel like a slog to me it, i wasn't massively engaged either if i'm totally honest but it wasn't a huge slog and when i totted up how long all the tracks are this album's 63 minutes and 33 seconds and if you'd asked me to guess the length of the album after listening to it once i would have maybe said 50 minutes 
Um, so that's encouraging, at least. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd have asked me, I'd have said nine months. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say for me, obviously not for you, but for me, I think there are certain points on the record where they settle into a groove, which I find almost hypnotizing. Um, such as I would say Age of Machine or Broken (laughs) Bells Um, I don't think they're hypnotising in the same sense as say Cult of Luna are hypnotising or Tool are hypnotising but they do they do kind of grab me at points Um, it's very rarely an entire song that grabs me I have to say which I think is a bit of a problem Um, there's a couple of examples I'm a real sucker for stardust chords for some reason now i'm gonna say they're the only positive thing i have to say for it i don't even know why but i quite like stardust chords. Mm. i was like oh, this, this is all right but then it's followed by like my love which mm. sounds like michael buble makes michael buble sound like mm. the fucking black dahlia murder mm. like it is so <laughs> wet and i'm just like lads you're just so wet i don't know why you're so it's earnest like overly earnest overly serious really really ploddy it does just got no life to it at all mm. i just i think it's so but this record is it's just so boring it's just so boring i can't i can't i can't <laughs> um yeah uh i don't know what it is about stardust chords like you i'm pleased to say that you said that you quite like that song as well so there's obviously something to it i don't know what i don't know what it is either um i did suspect that maybe it was because of tears of rain is the previous song, which you've already pointed out as a really drudgy, wet moment. Uh, Tears mm-hmm. of Rain is fucking rubbish. Um, and, uh, it, and it, It's awful. Yeah, there are there are a couple of songs on this record that they definitely could have nixed and it would have been better. And I'm de- just because I said that there are points where it's hypnotising, I'm not saying this record isn't too long. It's too long. It's 63 minutes and 33 seconds. It's <laughs> it too, too long. long. Um, it's a good 20 minutes long. You put an album on in East... Like I, I was like, it's Easter when I put this album on. And I was <laughs> Your favourite holiday? I was, and I was ready to get the fucking Christmas tree down from the loft by the time it ended, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, like, yes, it's too long. Um, I, I, it's led some publications to describe this as their prog album which did make me laugh because this is getting referred to as their prog phase or their prog album or whatever because it's too long (laughs) it's like that is pretty much the reason why it's like the song i did i mean the idea that this is progressive (coughs) in any way yeah i know whatsoever it is literally the most regressive thing any band could possibly be and i think if you were like some grizzled gnarled up old fucker you know in like wishbone ash or something and you release that i'd go well yeah obviously you you know Mm. you are an arthritic fossil of a human but your children doing this like i'd even rather they made a pop (laughs) album than make this to be perfectly honest it's mad it's mad. Oh, well, you know, they're old souls, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what a load of crap this is. It doesn't sound like music made by uh, early 20-something-year-olds. I mean, they're, they're between 23 and 24, I believe, at the moment, which, um, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound like that at all. Um, 
but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the passion to defend this album too much. Um, so I'm not going to. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't hate it. Um, right. I, 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 you know, I don't love it. Um, but when it's on, there's just something, you know, that I definitely would nix a couple of tracks like tears of rain. I don't ever need to hear again now that I'm done with this review. Um, but Oh God, I'm ashamed and embarrassed to say that I might go back to it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with you? I don't know. I just quite enjoy it when it's on. It's like, Oh, there's classic rock sounds going on over there. That's quite nice. But that is about the extent of it, really. Mm. They're very talented, though. Yeah, I'm sure they are. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Greta Van Fleet, The Battle of Gardens Gate is out now, as is Physical Graffiti, if you'd rather (laughs) listen to that. Um, Let's move on. While She Sleeps, uh, let's talk about them. Sleep Society is the fifth album from the Sheffield Metalcore Band, the follow-up to 2019 So What. Again, we reviewed that album back in the day and we were pretty okay-ish with it. I think it got a decent review from us for showing some kind of at least attempt at uh, an evolution of sound from While She Sleeps. Yeah. That's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. I I, I was actually very pleasantly surprised when we reviewed So What. Um, I uh, So when they came out with This Is The Six, there was a lot of hype around that record and I checked it out and I thought it was a really good example of that thing that I don't tend to like. That said, This Is The Six did stay with me for a few months at least. Uh, and I saw them live on it and I thought they were very, very good live. I saw them at The Peel on that record in Kingston. Oh, The Peel. Um, and But yes, in terms of this kind of you know, the modern metalcore thing, which long-term listeners will know I'm not generally a big fan of. I think for my money, While She Sleeps are one of the bands who are taking the most interesting risks. Um, And I really felt that on that last record, So What, uh, which we reviewed on episode 31 of the show, actually, alongside Brady from Conjurer. What happened to that cunt, eh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something, uh, uh, and something Mm. I've, Something I've always been really keen on with While She Sleeps is the guitar work of, I believe, Matt Welsh. Um, mm-hmm. or but, but let's just say the guitar work. Um, the guitars in While She Sleeps, they have a really interesting way with a tapped guitar lead lick. They do a lot of like... Yeah. We just made them sound worse, like the worst band in the world. Apologies for that, lads. Um, so, you know, uh, I think that's shown really admirably on songs like You're All, You Are All You Need and mm-hmm. Know You're Worth Somebody. Uh, there's a bitchin' guitar solo on No Defeat no for the Brave, which I think uh, utilizes those really cool. I mean, Thrice did it a lot. I feel like I bring up the Hisu era Thrice a lot on this podcast and there are a lot of bands who are really doing that thrice era fahisu thing Mm. at the moment which is fine because it's a wicked sound i don't think anyone's done it as well as thrice did it um but there is something of that kind of watery underground uh fluid 
lead guitar style. Um, and I really like that. I like, I, I, that is, it's my favorite modern metalcore guitar sound. Mm, the wow. guitarist of Welsh Heady Sleep. praise indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so what got a good review from us, as we mentioned. And I have to say, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm more of a fan of this band than you, I think, because mm. this is a six uh, I heard and it was getting, I mean, people were going mad for this is mm -hmm. a six. And at the time I was like, I think this is a six is good. Mm -hmm. I think it's got some really good songs in it. It was overhyped. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure it's quite the masterpiece that people mm. are making it out to be, but it is very good. Having said that, Brainwashed, I still, you know, I do go back to, what, uh, to this is a six a fair bit. Mm. I think Brainwashed is, is a fucking great record. I do need that to, to me that. is still their best record. I think. I think mm. it's brilliant. And you are we, which was the one you know that got Ollie Sykes in and really turned them into because you know they've had an up and down kind of mm. career and there's with the hype that that they had, they've never really fully fulfilled that. And it feels like they're sort of starting that momentum started to come back and really moted again on you are we. And I think you are we is really good. We I we think we were really nice about so what because of the. Um, <clears throat> stylistic deviations that it took now on reflection personally i have to say i think i was more impressed that they took those st stylistic deviations than i was impressed that those stylistic deviations were actually any good mm -hmm. um i'm not entirely sure that although i think they probably stretch themselves out further than say i mean Aya by partway drive is something we get brought up quite a lot now you may say that so what stretched itself further stylistically away from the genre than Aya by Parkway Drive did. The difference in my mind would be that Aya by Parkway Drive is a fucking brilliant record mm. and all of the songs and all of the deviations are successful. Mm. Whereas So What actually the kind of Ibiza-y like clubland stuff that they tried to bring into metalcore, which is a really fucking interesting idea, mm. like a mm. really, really great idea. When I first heard it, I was so like, oh my God, that's such a mad, brilliant idea mm. that I was really sort of positive about it. On reflection, I'm not sure that they are quite, well, I don't think anyone actually is going to be capable of making that sound sort of not normal. Mm. Um, so it, it was hit and miss, so what? But I think yeah. at the time, it was just so nice to hear a band from that scene really taking, like at properly taking risks you know mm. um so yeah I, I, we might have been overly nice to it as a result of that and um i went back to so what for this review and and i do think that when it hits it, it hits really really well but it is it is here there are some really good songs in it yeah, yeah there are some yeah. really good songs in yeah. it but i would say it's probably of the four albums i think it's probably the least consistent that's what i'm gonna say uh, so yeah so i think what we true. what we get with Sleep Society, I think, is a slight pullback in terms of the uh, the kind of stylistic deviations and evolution of the band. I think you get a slight pullback. I think those things still exist a little bit on the album. Systematic starts with a dance pulse thing, and I think it's done far better. Really, I think that's done far better than anything on So What Was Done yeah. of a similar ilk. Um, I think it's wicked, but, that song. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. And I think, ultimately, this album is a record that sounds like a kind of amalgam of broader while she sleeps ideas mm. it doesn't really feel like a huge stylistic deviation into any particular avenue but it feels like a band five albums in who have gone okay 
we kind of know what we are now we've kind of got our limitations we might sort of prod at them a bit throughout a record but ultimately we know what we're very good at and what people want and it's this and so ergo here it is this is a good record for the most part i think i mean yeah. there's some really good shit on it simon neil rocks up again doing the kind of metalcore rounds mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. hired voice hired gun yeah. for the metalcore bands of the united kingdom or nervous and he sounds fucking great i mean it's a it melodic does. part it's no screamy simon that we like we got on the architects record but him with loz together yeah while she sleeps have always done been really good at doing those kind of dual vocal trade-offs the kind of good cop bad cop vocals mm -hmm. and that sounds really good you mentioned i know your worth which i think has got a massive and <clears throat> like they've never bettered that riff from brainwash I know your worth has got a massive riff on it. It's also got a lovely little acapella bit in it as well. Don't talk much about acapella in metalcore, do we? We don't do much barbershop quartet comparisons on metalcore, but um, you know, uh, that's really good. I Some think, forty-one I matey, think... Derek Wibley oh, turns shit. up on <laughs> yeah, defeat for the brave. Up. Apparently, I don't yeah. actually know what you can't hear him, but yeah. uh, apparently he's on it. I'm um, sorry, you're going to say something. Well, uh, know you're worth somebody. I think takes on so many different twists and turns, and uh, and it evokes so many different styles, without ever sounding as if they've been crudely bolted together. And just like we said with the armed, you know, not quite to the same extent as the armed, but just like we said with the armed, that is good songwriting right there. Mm. You know, mm. it feels really cohesive. And yeah, it goes through loads of different shifts and loads of different uh, styles in the sort of four or five minutes that, that it is. Um, and yeah, you've mentioned systematic already, but I just think that's an absolute banger. I mean, again, this is the second time in as many weeks that I've mentioned them, but I think it's got mad capsule market vibes all over it, which I'm saying is a good thing, as a positive thing, not a negative thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. even yeah. though you poo-pooed that when I last <laughs> brought it up. No, no, it's fine. I don't mind mad capsule markets, really. I, you know. Um, and yes, Simon Neal's cameo on Nervous uh, is great. And, and it, in this case, it doesn't dominate the record in quite the same way that it does on the Architects record. And I think the reason for that overall is because there's there's much more interesting stuff going on on this record around around it. Um, and, and I think the songs are more interesting and just better, generally. Rem Renfrey cashing in his money in the bank to come and uh, smack down Architects again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that I think this is a, a far more successful record than um, what is it even called? That last one. What? The last Architects record. I think. Uh, it, it, oh my God, I've forgotten as well. Well, there you go. It's very forgettable, that album. Um, uh, what because, is it called? For the, those that wish to exist or something like that. Yeah, that's it. For those, Because I was going to say those that we list, lost have left behind, but that's not them at all, is it? Um, um, anyway. And I think, I think, I mean, both of them are metalcore bands experimenting and going out beyond what they normally do. And I just feel like maybe because While She Sleeps had a run up to that sort of thing with So What, it almost feels like now that So What was one of those in-between records where a band are beginning to experiment and change their sound and maybe they won't quite crack it on the first attempt, but the second attempt they do. And I think Sleep Society, i.e. the second attempt... 85% of the time I think they crack it you know I think they like there's there's a few there's a couple of things which we'll get on to uh, on, on this album which don't quite work mm. but you know for the most part I think they really really I mean one song which is really unexpected 
And a very brave moment on the record, I think, is Division Street, which is a piano. Yeah, effectively a solo piano with the band all singing harmonies. They have done that before. They've done that at the end of This Is The Six. They do do it at the end of This Is The Six, but it's not like a full song, though, is it? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, is it? Okay. I mean, I was going to say, like, I I was actually going to bring that up as a moment where I was like, oh, that's a really good nod to something you've done before. I actually Uh. think Division Street is probably a better song. It shows how much they kind of have evolved as songwriters that they they can write a full-blown um you know ballad of that type and it'd be better than it was you know a decade ago yeah it should be as well really i've not i've not listened to this is the six for a while but i i in my head i i thought that last track was like a a minute and a half thing a kind of it's not long but it's right okay yeah okay Uh, well i uh, i I mean i see that as a sort of interlude that is ending an album do you know what i mean as opposed to like a full song i mean this division street is three and a half minutes it feels like Mm. a a proper song on the record yeah so um but yes and i also agree division street is better than that outro on this is the six Mm. you know um, quite a lot better so um yes uh do you want to start you... with the last track? <laughs> yeah, the last track is called DN33HT, right? And I looked at the track listing when I first got it, and I was like, wow, the last track is seven minutes and three seconds long. While She Sleeps strike me as a sort of band who would go for a kind of, I'll say it, Rimfrey, don't worry, post-rock style, <laughs> you know, broad, uh, crescendo-y building thing. I was like, maybe they've done one of those songs. Maybe they're going for a seven-minute long epic no, they're not. What it is basically is, uh, well, some quite kind of, I mean, the music in the background is sort of quite minimalist sounding music. Piano. With, yeah, it is just a piano track, isn't it? With Loz um, just kind of banging on and on about how special their fans are. It's like, a, I, I was under the impression it was all five members of the band. They like take turns. Oh, was it? That's okay, what I thought. But, yeah, I mean, but anyway, so it's the band like just randomly kind of talking one by one about how great it is and how we're all on the different journeys. And it's like it's it's not as bad as you know that that fucking rubbish Bring Me the Horizon EP that came out, the electronic one where Ollie Sykes starts talking about octopuses for fucking twenty three minutes, and yeah. we we're just like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. It's not that. Definitely it's not, as not bad that. as it's not as bad as that. But then I'm not sure anything's ever been as bad as that. But, no. but I mean, going on, oh, yous, our fans are so special and we're all blah, blah. It's like, mate, they're not. They're all the same. All people who like music are all the fucking like, they're special to you. Yeah, just like your kids. By the Your kids aren't special, by the way. Your kids aren't. The kid. Look at this picture my kid drew. It's rubbish. Like to the rest of the world, that is rubbish. It takes fucking five seconds to say thank you to your fans. <laughs> not Cheers, seven guys. <laughs> thank you for buying the record. Off you go. Seven minutes. Uh, uh, you know, it's not for me. I'm not one of, you know, they do have a very, obviously they do have a very, I'm being a bit flippant. They do have a very strong connection with their fans and all that. And they've set up this sort of kind of sleep society thing yep. where, you know, and, and that's cool. That song would be a very... seven minutes of it. Yeah. I mean, it's not for me, is it? Cause I'm not one of those people, but that, that song, I am like, that song would be a very, uh, interesting companion piece to your, not that special. The last song on the Arab Rot album from last week. Um, it's, uh, like on the one hand, it's a cool thing to do on the one hand. It's a nice gesture and a nice thing to be like, we're going to dedicate the last seven minutes of our new 
album to just thanking everyone who's got us here mm-hmm. it's also it's teen, teensy bit mawkish as well and but it's just the kind of thing well, mawkish isn't the right word but it's it's just but it's embarrassing Renfrew. i think it's i honestly think it's embarrassing i think people talking like that is embarrassing mm. i i feel it makes me feel it makes my shoulders crease up and my skin crawl and i go when i hear people going oh we're all on the journey and we oh, and all this and oh, each mm. and every one of you got your own individual things uh, we're all going through things aren't we guys and you know i don't know what to say but it's like oh, fucking don't say it so what <laughs> how is this getting on the album this is like the longest most boring oscar winning speech in history <laughs> It's like, certain, fucking like, hell. It's Cut. certainly... I don't know how many times I've listened to this album, but I can say that I've only listened to that track once because I didn't feel the need to list, to go back to it particularly. And mm. I probably won't ever listen to it again. It, it's such a shame because on paper you look at it and you go, oh, seven minute long while she sleeps song. That's interesting. They're going to yeah. do... Oh, God. It's literally couldn't have... It's not even like they've done something that you weren't expecting. It's like they've... they've mm. In your head, you've got an idea of what that might be. And the reality of it is the single most disappointing thing that it could possibly be. It could not be more disappointing than seven minutes long. If they'd done a cover of something from Metal Machine music, I think I would have enjoyed it more. than. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, you like Metal uh, Machine music. What- I do. Well, I like it more than someone going, oh, yeah, oh, what about flowers? Oh, where are they from? Oh, where- oh, oh. Fuck off. Like, really? Really? I think You're a actually- metal band. I think actually, if you want to do a track like that, you mentioned their patron thing that they set up and it's been, you know, very successful. I believe they called it the Sleep Society, uh, which is what this album's called as well. And there's a song called Sleep Society on the record as well, which is which is great. Um, but it, that almost feels like something that you should give to your patrons, you know, rather than putting it on your record. It's like, you know, we wanted to come up with a fun way to thank you and we decided to put it to music kind of thing. And that mm. that feels like a sort of patron. It's too much. Thing. I think it's too it's like going to a wedding, but then being made to go to the bridal suite at the end of the night and watch them fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels <laughs> like. Doing. So I'll come to your wedding, that's nice. I don't want to watch you have sex at the end of it though. And that's what this track makes me feel like. I feel that awkward listening to it. Like I I'm think stood that would... in, like there's me and forty other people stood around the bar. Oh, good for you. Good for you that you're doing. Oh, you're gonna and they're done. Good. <laughs> Can we go now? I think fucking that would brighten up most of the weddings that I've been to, to be totally honest. It's fucking boring. It's, it's fucking rubbish. But the album, the actual album, if you don't count that as part of the album, which unfortunately you kind of have to, whether you like it or not, it it because it's oh god, that's dreadful that bit. But the rest of the record is really good. Yeah. And fair play to while she sleeps. They are, you know, they're still managing to make a genre that we have very little interest in yeah. seem very very exciting so I, fucking I, fair play to them i really like this album like i really mm. like it and i think um, good. i don't you know if you told me five years ago that while she sleeps would release a record again at some point that i really liked i don't think i would have believed you five years ago so mm. i think that's an extraordinary you know it's been a bit of a journey because like so what was my first kind of like oh okay i i shouldn't really be dismissing while she sleeps should i uh, and then, and now it's come to this. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I really shouldn't be dismissing them at all. Um, the next, the next album's going to be Renfrey's going to be doing a 12 minute long monologue about how special their fans are. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> how special it is to be a fan of While She Sleeps. It has actually inspired me to, um, to write an instrumental version of Black Rose, which thanks all of our fans <laughs> and patrons individually. 
<laughs> I tell my wife she sleeps fans the things I used to do. <laughs> Quite. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, Sleep Society is out now, and for the most part, it is very, very, very good. Yeah, lads. Yeah, really. Cut good. the shit next time. <laughs> um, the last album we're going to be talking about comes from Cannibal Corpse, Violence Unimagined. This also finished. <laughs> you imagine Cannibal Corpse doing seven minute long thing at the end of Alex Webster going, oh, thanks for buying our album. And, you know, <laughs> five nails through the neck really got me through some tough times. <laughs> oh, good. If it wasn't for I Come Blood, I don't know what I would have done of being a real, probably would be dead. Anyway, the 15th studio album from the Death Metal Legends and the first album to feature longtime producer and Death Metal tour de force Eric Rutan on guitar in place of the, let's be honest, quite weird Pat O'Brien. Sack Pat in the words of Alan Partridge. Um, we, me and... <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't laugh because pat o'brien would kill us but we we, we spoke about pat o'brien didn't we <coughs> yeah you're right and um in when we were like getting ready to do this we spoke about pat o'brien and his big like dungeon full of guns and skulls i'm just uh, stunned I, i'm just stunned you got an alan partridge <laughs> reference 30 seconds into a cannibal course review <laughs> I'm like, wow <laughs> That yeah. is really good. Well done. So I think, uh, I'm not sure Pat O'Brien, I don't know what's happening with him really, but he's he's out of the band at the moment. He's not in the band. Um, he's a <clears throat> bit of a fucking lunatic. Fair play. Yeah. Like that. Um, but this is a follow-up to 2017's, I'd say fairly middling, as many Cannibal Corpse albums are, Red Before Black. Cannibal Corpse, for me, are very reliable at, as a band doing a thing. Death metal, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, and not really deviating from that formula, but doing it all very, very well. I've been on a mad old death metal binge recently. I've had a real kind of hankering and hunger for death metal. I've been listening to loads and loads of death metal. And <clears throat> at its best, like, it's it's just fucking brilliant. It's really, really satisfying a genre, death metal, I think. Um, to my mind, though, Cannibal Courts have lots of great songs and they are a very good band. But they only have one truly great record, in my opinion. And that record is Kill, by the way. Yeah, yeah, The Bleeding, yeah, yeah, Tomb of the Mutilated, fine. But really, Kill, for me, is the most savage, most ear-bleedingly powerful record that they have done in their career. It's the only one that really I feel like I want the whole thing. Kill. And I think that's a bit of a problem with just cannibal corpse in general to be honest yeah kill is the only record by cannibal corpse that i listen to regularly i would say uh i was introduced to that record maybe a decade ago i think mm -hmm. and that album is absolutely awesome it feels like everything you could possibly want from cannibal corpse wrapped up into about 42 minutes uh and it is what they do with a modern production as well which is nice uh yeah. with a modern production because the chris barnes era stuff is can be quite hard work i think oh god it, it, yeah i mean it is it is hard work that stuff um but uh yeah yeah i if i'm ever in the mood for cannibal corpse and it's not that often it's probably not as often as when you're in the mood for them for example but if i am in the mood for cannibal corpse it's nine times out of ten it will be Kill that I reach for, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. I think what's good about Kill, 
It's kind of also, and what I like about Kill, it's also what I like about this record, to be honest. Now, yeah. Cannibal Corpse have a reputation for the kind of stompy, groovy end of death metal, that being their thing, that kind of ACDC, well, not to bring up Six Feet Under, but that kind of ACDC um, groove thing that they've that they've kind of established, which, which is why their catchiness, I think, has made them the biggest death metal band in history. Um, what I like about Cannibal Corpse, and it's not just Kill that does this, but is the bludgeon, is the full-blown, bloodthirsty, almost slayerism bludgeon. When they mm. do that, and that you know, like the start of the start of kill, that ah! like that kind of Tomarea scream and stuff. I mean, uh, it's fucking great. And the first song on this murderous rampage is that death metal 101 mm. at full pace and careering locomotive out of control as it can possibly get. And that's the cannibal corpse that I really love. That whirlwind, fast slayerisms, and the first few songs do that. They just blast the shit out of you. Mm. And the groovy stuff on here is great as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Like when that, there's a really thick breakdown that comes in on, um, in human harvest, which is the third song. And it's the sort of first time you get one of them and fuck me. Go on, son. It sounds fucking great. And I like the kind of, that kind of dual cannibal corpse attack. Cause they just basically do one of those two things and they usually do it very well. And this record, obviously, lives in that sort of space. Mm, mm. But some Cannibal Corpse records don't hit you quite as fast so often as... Uh, and that's the difference between, I think, a good Cannibal Corpse record or a, and an all-right Cannibal Corpse record. Mm. Um, the problem is, I guess, is that you just don't need that much of this, really. <laughs> or I don't, anyway. I, I, I certainly don't need 15 albums of this. Uh, and right. you know this is cannibal Corpse's 15th studio album um it's clear to me that violence unimagined is a very well crafted album from a group of people who know exactly what they're doing and uh striving for within their field it's it's a really well put together record um I don't know all of Cannibal Corpse's discography at all, but I actually feel relatively confident in saying that this is a this is a good one. This is a good Cannibal Corpse record. Um, I I guess I I just find it very difficult to get really excited about this sort of thing though, to because mm. um, you know it's it's a, it's another Cannibal Corpse record, and and to go with the other fourteen, you know. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if Cannibal Corpse are capable of making an album that doesn't make me bang my head at some point or pull a stink face at a particular riff or attempt to emulate, you know, a fast guitar lead line or something like that. But I'm also not sure if they're capable of making an entire record that will uh, keep me keep my attention throughout in the same way that Kill did when I first heard it either um, yeah. anymore. Um, there are bits of this record that I, I love. There are moments where I'm like, oh, that is fucking crushing. Um, for example, the opening riff of Condemnation Contagion is fucking mm -hmm. awesome. Ritual Annihilation is just genuinely mind-blowingly brutal and brilliant. I love that. I mean, that's the thing is I don't think there's anything that I'd mm -hmm. take out of this record. Um, no. Uh, uh, but I just don't want to listen to it for this long with no break unless it's genuinely 
constantly amazing or a classic and this mm. and this isn't it's just very good and there's nothing bad you know, on this record is there you know no and when i've you know like i said i've been listening to lots of death metal recently and i've got like wolverine blues and um fucking human by death and i've got mm. uh Altars of madness by morbid angel i've got them mm. all on vinyl and i've been playing them recently and you're like well this is just great from top to bottom start to finish and it's really they're really varied and they're really different sounding and and Cannibal Corpse, they don't really even try and do that. No. Do you know what I mean? They're not really interested in doing something like Morbid Angel do or, or the, the, the evolution that you see in Death's back catalogue. Like, they're almost, it's almost a stupid comparison. Even though they're both death metal bands, mm. massive death metal bands, their approaches to music is just completely different from one another. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that you know Cannibal Corpse are bad or this album's not very good, but it is like you like you quite rightly say. I think there are. <clears throat> I do feel like you know that kind of ACDC of. Do you need every Slayer album? Not really. No, no. Do you need every? I mean, I would say you need. You don't need every ACDC album, but you could do with the, the whole Bon Scott era. You could definitely. You do need. You don't need every Ramones album. You don't need mm. every Motorhead album. Mm. I mean, you could take the first decade of Motorhead and away you go. But I don't know, man. I think, like, yes, they, they are a band who I think you will probably never need, never, ever need, need whatever they're about to put out, their new mm. record. Mm. What you're going to do is you're going to go, fucking hell, that's good. Dave's songs are great. You're right. Murderous Rampage, Inhuman Harvest, Ritual Annihilation. Um, what was the one you said? Uh, uh, I fucking love Condemnation slow- Contagion. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's good as well. Um, they tend to be the sort of... See, all the ones you've mentioned tend to be the first half. I think mm. um, Slowly Sawn is quite good as well. And Over, over Torture yeah, uh, is I quite only like two and a half minutes mm. as well. Mm. Mm. So yeah. that's quite good. But at that point, I am like fucking exhausted yeah just exhausted yeah 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 and like uh, it's not it's not a long record it's 42 minutes um but you know yeah it's it's quite relentless and there aren't many i mean that they're, they're the slayer of death metal aren't they you know like yeah. you know you have already sort of mentioned it but like they very rarely sort of deviate too much from the formula um but you know they are very good at that formula i said i mean goodness me i'll take this record over the last slayer record um yeah me too yeah but but uh but i also don't have all that much you know i'm not a death metal aficionado as people know Um, i like this stuff but quite casually uh would i go back to this record probably not i'd go back to cannibal corpse but i don't think i'm gonna be dying to hear this record again um i'll just probably listen keep listening to kill but you know it's good Do, do you think that there's 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 so is this record getting a little bit too much attention do you think just just because so as someone who doesn't fully pay attention to cannibal Corpse's career i was kind of under the impression that they hadn't released an album for a while and it's true that this is the longest gap that they've had in releasing a record Mm. of four years Mm. um but it's not that long. I was, I was like the the way that people are talking about it. I was like, oh, Cannibal Corpse been away for Eric like Rutan ten, as ten well, isn't it? You know, people who yeah. like Derek, like Death Metal are going to be really excited at the thought of Eric Rutan. Yeah, uh, I guess that explains uh, it. Yeah. Playing guitar for Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Okay. 
So um, I think that's probably got something to do with it as well. I just remember there being, there's, there seems to be a lot more attention around this record than there was around the Red and the Black. But then I guess the Red and the Black is just 14th Cannibal Courts records. I guess 15th Cannibal Courts record is slightly more exciting. I guess, but I, I think bands go in kind of peaks and troughs of, you know like where their popularity sort of sits i mean Caram yeah. corps are are the, are the biggest band that we've covered this week i would say in terms of uh oh no no well, good no great van great fleet van oh, yeah, no, and and while she sleeps <laughs> yeah 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 i was like well. um but i mean i guess in terms of i don't know notoriety i guess uh yeah you know in terms of you know, like definitely longevity Definitely notoriety. They're probably the sort of the I guess not the most famous or the, the biggest, in, but maybe the, the the most infamous band that we're covering this week. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's 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 cool. Um, but yeah, but those kind of bands they do go on. I mean, you know, there's been Napalm Death records in the past that have got more attention than others, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. blah. It just feels like it depends on which way the wind is blowing at that point. And mm. um, and yeah, I think the addition of uh, Eric Rutan has probably got a lot to do with that on this particular record. Mm-hmm. But it's it's good. It's 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 a good record. You know, like it is. It's got some fucking rad shit on it. Mm. But it's just you've heard them do it. 55 times before uh anyway there you go violence unimagined by cannibal corpse is out now and that's it that's the end of that thanks very much for listening everyone go to signaturebrew.co.uk put the code riot act in a checkout and you get 10 percent off of all of those lovely beers also go to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and you can uh, sign up for our classic album you get ben folds on monday ben folds five and gajira is up there for you now also slint spiderland and we'll have tears for fears Uh, All right. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll speak to you soon. See you later.